and I had mentally checked out of the business. I oh, know. Uh, because it was just a most difficult thing I've ever faced in my life, uh, where um, I lost my son who was just five days old. So we ran out of money. That wow. was the hard truth. Uh, and uh, then we had a hard choice in front of us. Hmm. Do we want to shut shop? Do we want to go home? Do you want to keep taking shots at the goal? What do you want to do? Hypernova has been described by many in the Indian game development scene as one of the most exciting game studios here in India. CEO Mayur Bimjiani got his start at game studios such as Zynga and Mooncube before founding Hypernova in 2015. Today, we discuss Mayur's journey, the founding of Hypernova, creating a GTA for India, and the opportunities and challenges in game development here in India. Welcome, Mayur. So I've been told by a number of folks here in the Indian game development scene that you guys, Hypernova, are the ones to watch out for, that you guys are doing great work. I've seen the trailer for, for your game, which looks very impressive, but could we talk about this perception behind Hypernova? Why do you think people have such a positive image of Hypernova? What's, what, are you, what are you guys doing really well? So firstly, thank you so much for having me here, Joseph. <laughs> no, welcome. Uh, and uh, uh, letting me talk about what we're doing and uh, our game. So we, we started Hypernova as a small dream. Okay. Where uh, we wanted to make larger than life games for mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, that's what really helped, you know, drive our vision as well. I started it uh, with a very old friend of mine, uh, Josefa. Uh, way back when in 2015. So at that point, uh, we were probably one of the few companies in India uh, that was started by two game designers. Uh, you know, generally it's product guys uh, that you've seen in the Indian space uh, start some companies mm -hmm. or you know, even engineering guys teaming up with few folks. But um, uh, you know, we were a design-centric, design-first sort of a company. Okay. And uh, that just spoke through all of our work where uh, whatever games we made, we were very on point on. We need to make sure that the fun for the player is put first. Okay. And that trickled down all the way into our hiring where if you can't talk about your favorite game for a couple of hours, we won't even consider you for an interview. I see. So we, we were very uh, you know, careful from day zero to think about you know, talent density uh, and building a team that can deliver some great games first. Because yes, you have to first make games and then sell them. If you have a great game, the selling becomes a lot easier. So uh, always the idea was, you know, player comes first, you put the fun first, and we are an entertainment company. Sure. So th that's what we have to put first. That's, that's what our thinking has always been where we use technology to deliver entertainment and we are not a technology startup. We are an entertainment startup right. through and through. And that's been our philosophy from day zero. Okay. But in terms of like the, the positive perception about Hypernova, do you think that comes because of maybe some of the strength in design that you're talking about? Or is it maybe because of the work you've done before at Zynga and people know you? Or 
Why, why do you think there is such positive sentiment towards Hypernova here in India? I think it's largely to do with the consistency of our work okay. and the constant level of quality of whatever work we've done with whatever partners we've worked with, wherever we've delivered the kind of games we've made. So whenever we started making games, it was very rare to see high quality, uh, you know, high quality level of feedback uh, games coming in. Right. Because at the end of the day, half the fun in the game is all about feedback, right? Like, it's, you know, how different is, say, a Ghost of Tsushima where your slash of a sword uh, feels a lot more satisfying versus mm -hmm. uh, a simple mobile game where you also just you know, swing a sword with a 2D simple character. Right. But it's all about feedback and how do you deliver... Uh, that feedback when the player is trying to embody themselves in a virtual world. So I think it's largely to do with the quality and consistency of our work. Uh, and I've been blessed that uh, I've been able to work with some phenomenal and very talented people for a very long time. Great. So maybe we can talk about this game, and hopefully I pronounce it correctly, Maya Nagari. Yeah, it's called Maya Nagari. Close enough? Yeah. Maya Nagari. Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, so it's been described by a lot of people as GTA for India, but could you talk about, you know, how did you come up with the concept, why this kind of a game for India, kind of the, the history behind, you know, the decision to make this kind of game? So we really started taking the India market very seriously in 2020 when we saw the kind of numbers PUBG was doing in India. <laughs> and we were like, man, we are like fish in the ocean, you know, yeah. that can't notice the water around it. Because up to that point, we are also largely focused towards the Western markets. Right. Uh, because the India market was not mature enough at that point, it's very small. But then we had this insane trifecta in India of, uh, you know, geo, then UPI and we, what we call as production linked incentives or PLI. For people who don't know, uh, Jio is the largest telecom service provider now in the country and is responsible for India having, I think, the cheapest data rates in the world. Right. Uh, and then UPI, I think everybody knows globally, it's just changed the landscape of Indian finance and personal finance in India right. for an average Indian in, in a very significant and impactful way in the last few years. But for our industry, the real upswing started coming in for the Indian market, I think, when the government introduced production-linked incentives for uh, electronics manufacturing in the country, okay. which allowed for a lot of the phone manufacturers and it incentivized them to build their phones in India. Because India has quite high import tariffs on electronics in general. Okay. It's cheaper for you to go fly to Dubai, buy an iPhone 14 Pro Max and fly back <laughs> than to buy an iPhone 14 Pro Max in India. Yeah. So th that's the kind of tariff structure we have in India. But because the government incentivized a lot of these hardware manufacturers to come set up shop here, yeah. uh, the phone prices dropped significantly, and which is why you saw this big upswing in large-scale 3D games like PUBG, Free Fire, right. Uh, and Genshin Impact also did, I think, decently right. well in India. Because now there are devices that can actually support 3D and immersive worlds in India. And, and yeah. that number is still rising very high as to what the threshold of the GPUs and CPUs are on a $150 or a 12,000 rupee phone here in the country. Right. So that was a big turning point for us. 
that okay you know the field is set yeah now what do we want to build there we had three main things we were looking at the you know whatever product we wanted to choose to build from that lens number one was you know the whatever format we go after because indian audiences have not seen uh, any indian games mm-hmm. right our first and foremost focus was that we build games for india and by india great uh, where think about it this way can you today imagine india's identity without bollywood right you cannot right if there were only english movies in india how would india look like right right and i can't imagine in india like that but that is the story today in terms of where the games industry is in india yeah where all the games we play are just from outside so we realized that you know there's a huge need for us to build something larger than life for indian audiences mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we then looked at it from three core lenses uh, one was has this game format already made a lot of money anywhere else <laughs> right because the fun part is uh, games are very different than other forms of entertainment right like we work like software we are extremely analytical in terms of how we can predict how something is doing in a market versus not doing something in the market so and plus the other thing that we obviously understand as game creators is that games are language agnostic right they cross borders because they are all about agency right you are you are in a virtual world doing the actions you are the player uh, and you are the one being powerful inside that virtual virtual world and that's the fantasy of entertainment that we are driving so uh, we wanted to find a game that had already done very well in multiple geographies uh, and had made a lot of money already <laughs> right then we also then looked at what kind of traction this kind of game is getting in india so when we try and define traction we try and look at three things mm-hmm. one is the volume of people who are interested in this right yeah. meaning downloads then we look at engagement okay how much are those people engaging with this product on a given day or how long are they engaging it for and then we look at cultural relevance like stuff like how much volume does this genre or game have in streaming or what's the interest from game influencers and creators right. in this kind of game in the country so we found some crazy insights when we were looking at the gta genre so we realized that just to give you some current numbers on how that genre is doing in india right in the last 2 years this genre has seen over 200 million downloads in india alone which is like wow insane yeah, a lot. yeah. Uh, wow. and all of these are like extremely low production value pretty you know you, when once you look at them it look like you're playing a ps1 or maybe halfway between ps2 game is pretty low production value barely any content but insane number of downloads then we realized that the retention numbers are also off the charts mm. where people on average uh, we were seeing you know 35 minutes being spent by people in the uh, in the game on average in this genre per day in india and extremely healthy like day 1 and day 90 retention numbers uh, so for you audience who might not know what day 1 day 90 means basically how many people come 
uh, after they've installed the game on the first day or the 90th day. Right. So those were extremely healthy for us. Uh, and then we finally looked at the cultural relevance of uh, the game and we realized that after PUBG and Free Fire, uh, GTA was like the most streamed game in the country. Uh, in fact, GTA is probably the largest game in India outside of PUBG mm. in terms of uh, in terms of genre. Okay. Uh, right. So we realized that people love talking about this stuff. Right. And when you say GTA, is is this all on PCs? So it's PC as well as mobile. Okay. There's a lot of mobile-driven content uh, that gets made on GTA-style okay. games as well. When okay. I say GTA, I'm not just talking about the franchise. Uh, right, right. You're talking right? about sort of that kind of game. Yeah, the, that kind of game, right? right. The, that genre of games. Okay. So uh, we, we realized, okay, there's phenomenal traction here. Mm -hmm. And then the third and the most important thing we wanted to look at, can we make this game truly Indian? Right, where you're, you're not just putting a skin on top and saying, okay, hey, we're done. Right, you, you don't make uh, Candy Crush Saga and make it, you don't take Candy Crush Saga and make it, uh, you know, Jalebi Crush Saga. Sure. Right, Jalebi is like a Indian sweet. So uh, that, that's not going to fly. Yeah. We need something where the stories can be Indian, the places can be Indian, the characters can be Indian, the music, the vehicles you ride, the weapons you shoot, all of that. Everything has to be Indian. Nice. And when we looked at these three things, okay, okay uh, has it made money elsewhere? <laughs> How is it doing in India in terms of already interest from audience? And what is the cultural relevance of this product? Right. So all three was like, check, check, check. And then it was a no-brainer uh, for us that, hey, there is an opportunity here and it's been, I think, the dream of almost 90% of the people I've met in the game dev industry, uh, in India at least, have wanted to make an open world game in their life at some point of time. Sure. So it's like, it'll be a great talent magnet also for us right, right. as a product. Um, so yeah, it was, it was clearly a no-brainer for us. This would be the game that we want to go after. Right. Uh, and the other big thing we realized when we were looking at making something like this was two other things where if you wanted to make a viable business out of it in India, we would have needed games that are very sticky and make the player stay for three months or longer, right? The pattern we've seen in India is that people are still uh, coming out slowly out of that hesitation of paying for virtual or digital goods. Mm -hmm. So far, largely and historically, games have only monetized through ads, not so much from IAP, and that trend has started to change in the last few days. But uh, our idea has been that if the player can stay with your game for longer, mm -hmm. they will start feeling like the game is a part of their life more and more. And that hesitation for spending something that is virtual that I cannot physically manifest in my life that you know you, you can uh, nip away at it uh, and if you if the player stays longer if the chance of them paying any money to your game even if it is five rupees ten rupees right. for something is much much higher right. so we wanted something that was high shelf life where we could actually get uh, people coming in uh, and staying for a long time and the other thing, when we're looking at the streaming data, 
is when we realized that uh, 90% of the content that you get that gets consumed on YouTube right now in India is non-English content. Okay. Uh, and uh, game streaming is the fastest growing category on YouTube for the last few years and it's I think this year it might uh, it's inching closer towards almost 20% of content consumption in India. Oh, wow. So uh, those were phenomenal numbers and despite all of these things we realized that there isn't a single game that allows game influencers to use that as a vehicle to connect with their desi janta uh, even more right like the, their desi audience even more so quite a bit of factors <laughs> right like but the idea is when you're spending three years of the prime of your life building something you better be damn sure it's going to work right. out. <laughs> right. And so in terms of stage of development, and maybe even rolling back a little bit earlier, so you founded Hypernova in 2015. Yeah. And you, you said you, you've been in development for three years? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Correct. So can you speak a little bit about, okay, what did you initially do at Hypernova? And then after you've started your, your three years in, what is the current stage of development, kind of launch plans, things like that? Right. So... Hypernova was started uh, with this, uh, the classic first founder over ambitious dream of making uh, and chewing, you know, way larger uh, than, you know, you can swallow sure. uh, with, with the goal of building a Dota style or a League of Legends style game for mobile, um, because that's the background I also come from. Okay. Uh, I used to be a uh, esports athlete during uh, 2007 through 2009 okay uh, playing yeah uh, so we we, uh, we had a team in pune in uh -huh. dota one. oh in dota okay okay uh, and uh, for a phase we were like the top seeded team team in the country so we've always been very close to esports and we understood that this is the future mm -hmm. because at the end of the day the name of the game for uh, all content is very simple, right? Like you, your content needs to last and you need to be able to get users into watch your content for as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. right? Like cost per install versus lifetime value. Sure. Right? Esports by their own nature, the fact that they are multiplayer, uh, is that means endless content. And because it's a game where it's a tournament and there's glamour and glory, uh, there is viewership and there is audience and then there is endless content being created by streamers. So that was our initial thought process and you will see a lot of the remnants of that thinking in Maya Nagri's uh, product vision as well where we are looking at you know streaming data, how, how much people are talking about stuff. But unfortunately at that point India was very very nascent as a market. We designed some crazy ass prototypes uh, around the mobile genre this you know lying on a dusty shelf somewhere inside my studio right now uh, but we weren't able to raise capital so we pivoted we made uh, some action games some casual action games for north american and western european markets a couple of multiplayer games so that did well uh, that helped us raise our seed round uh, at that point uh, and we, we had a few million downloads uh, we had some love from Google and Apple. Uh, we, we were featured. Most of our products were featured internationally by them. So we're getting Great. some love from them. Uh, but uh, in 2018, uh, 
I went through literally like the most difficult phase of my life uh, where I suffered uh, a personal tragedy and um, we were just a small team at that point where we were just about seven people and I had mentally checked out of the business. Oh no. Uh, because it was just a the most difficult thing I've ever faced in my life uh, where um, I lost my son who was just five days old. So we ran out of money. That wow. was the hard truth. Uh, and uh, then we had a hard choice in front of us. Hmm. Do we want to shut shop? Do we want to go home? Do you want to keep taking shots at the goal? What do you want to do? So one thing we realized at that point that in games, they are so multidisciplinary. The most important thing is going to be making sure your team stays together for longer. Yeah. Only then you will have a chance of making something great. Because if you, if, however experienced a team might be, you just put them together in a year, nothing's going to happen. In game development at least, especially if you're trying to build some large-scale IP products, which are larger than life. So we, we were sure that we wanted to keep the team together. So we started doing services uh, and uh, started doing partnerships. So it was a hard rebuild for us uh, from scratch. We did it in the same organization. Uh, and that business grew well for us for almost three years. We grew that 100% each year. We worked with, I think, at least seven different unicorns, unicorn startups to help, with, help them win games or gamified content. So that business was quite good. And all of the profits we made there, we poured back into first party products. Okay. And uh, in 2020, we started building this out. Uh, and in 2021, we realized, okay, we are at a stage where we can now do a hard pivot and go back to just building products. Right. and stop doing services. So we went out there, raised some money, and thankfully some good people backed us, and uh, here we are. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing also about your personal life. That must have been really hard. Uh, but yeah, you, it it's shows your... It's the most difficult thing we've done. Yeah, I've I mean, done. That, that's like a true entrepreneur journey where you're going through a lot of hardships and able to overcome that. But um, um, maybe in, in terms of uh, my Nagari, um, in terms of the current stage and launch plans, right. could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So we've been making this for almost three years now, and we've just started uh, the registration campaign for it on 16th of February. Okay. Uh, and uh, the kind of response we've gotten from people is just overwhelmingly humbling. Uh, I have never seen so much positivity on any work I've ever done in my life. So great. Uh, I'm just so grateful that people have shown us so much love. So the game's going to come out this year mm -hmm. in uh, very soon. In 2023 is all okay. I'm going to say <laughs> for now publicly. Yeah. Uh, and um, the idea is right now we are starting with a single player sandbox mm -hmm. where players will be able to experience a, a great uh, slice of our open world game and fairly soon after that we are going to be launching multiplayer as well. Right now since we started the registration campaign uh, it, it's just been crazy. Our uh, 
uh, we, we've started a creative program inside uh, where we've brought in uh, a lot of game influencers and creators who talk about different types of games on their platform to come and cover the game, talk about the game. And there we've been able to grow that to over 10 million YouTube subscribers internally. Wow. Uh, where it's, it's a pure partnership. We're not paying them any money because mm -hmm. we don't want to pay any creators any money to review our game. Okay. We want whatever content we put out in front of our audience, okay. at least especially if it's through an influencer or a creator, yeah. to be you know, transparent and honest. Uh, and it's it's not a paid promotion. Okay. We'll, we'll just invite you to come and play. If you like it, if you, you like it, you don't like it, you don't like it. You just tell us what we should be improving. Okay. And that, so, we so work just, on just, that. Just to understand, so you started your own YouTube channel and you invited... No, no, we, ha we haven't, we didn't start our own YouTube channel. We started a program oh, internally. Okay, okay. I see, I see. Where we've set up a creator council, where we work with a select group of uh, YouTube creators that have a reach of over I 10 see. million YouTube okay. subscribers. I got it. I got it. Okay, cool. Right. Very cool. Yeah, and it seems like streamers are the new marketing now, right? Absolutely. It's absolutely. About streaming. And it's more about product love, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. for a streamer or a content creator also at the end of the day, what they are looking for is great content for their channel. Right. Right. What their audience might find relevant and Mr. Beast says, all YouTube cares about is the click-through rate and, you know, <laughs> view finish percentage. Right, right, right. right. Like, what's the view duration percentage where you're dropping out at, right? Like, so that's all content creators really also want at the end of the day, mm -hmm. where they get content where people are engaging with it and it's exciting and uh, interesting for them. Uh, so we got a overwhelmingly uh, positive response on another program we started last week. Mm -hmm. So this Thursday on 16th of March, we have a uh, open creator playlist where we are inviting that it was an open application for YouTubers to come just try out our game. Uh, and if they want to cover it, they can cover it. So over a thousand YouTubers have applied uh, in the last six days where the top 100 YouTubers have, I don't know, uh, around 21 million subscribers between them. Nice. So it's been it's been so overwhelmingly positive. It's like I'm, I'm at, for a lack of words there. Okay, so many of the folks in in uh, the game makers audience are executives, investors, product managers, folks like that, and so I think a lot of the questions that they probably would be interested in is around the monetization model, uh, and certainly I, I think in the context not only of from a free to play monetization perspective, but also for India, you had mentioned monetization is changing. I also believe that a lot of the data tracking services have significantly underreported IAP spend in India. But, you know, can you talk about your thinking about monetization in India and then the specific approach that you're taking for monetization? Right. So India is definitely changing. It's, it's on a tear uh, for yeah. the last few years. Yes. And which, which is what convinced me, hey, just jump in with both your feet and it's going to be all fine. <laughs> And you learn how to swim in the deep yeah. end, it's okay. So our philosophy is fairly simple where it's going to be difficult to monetize and grow just single player games at a very large scale in India mm -hmm. and monetize them very well in India. Uh, because what our insight has been that one of the things that still helps break that hesitation of spending on virtual goods is social proof 
or uh, of that virtual item right like whatever you are owning uh, and that's where iap majority spent you buying something uh, virtually inside a game but the fact that whatever you are buying you can share it with your friends you can show it off uh, or you can use it while fighting a friend or or something along those line where it's used in a social setting that's the real uh, you know key to unlocking player purchase at scale in india okay. so which is where our whole idea also was uh, you know we start with a single player open world sandbox and then we morph it into multiplayer so our single player campaign is essentially my ad okay <laughs> right because there are 200 other online multiplayer games out there why would you know players play one game versus another game right it's not just going to be about the theme but also it's going to be about how good your gameplay experience is so even if your gameplay experience is at the same level as other guys then what's separating you sure so that's how our thought process has been where uh we make sure our cost per install is dirt cheap right because that's what the equation is at the end what is your cost per install versus what is your lifetime value so by making sure we have a great original indian product uh, our cost per installs are dirt cheap and thankfully uh, a lot of what creators are responding to right now is sort of pointing in that direction uh, and in for your lifetime value you need multiplayer content for sure the player needs to stick around longer and there needs to be a way for them to express social proof mm-hmm. uh, of whatever their virtual uh, assets are yeah that's going to drive uh, the you know the purchase is a lot higher and the other thing we've now realized and this is an opportunity for our game specifically might not be relevant for some of the other ones uh, is that a lot of brands are now more and more open to advertising inside virtual worlds mm-hmm. especially after people have started talking about metaverse sure uh, whatever that uh, amorphous term may mean to people but the idea being that people are aware that there are virtual worlds where people spend you know tons of hours each week and meaningfully connect with those worlds so it's a great place for advertisers to advertise right uh, as well so we have great opportunities inside of our game where you know there are holdings like a gta game in mayan agri we also have radio inside our uh, car where we play indian language music there are four languages right now uh, hindi punjabi uh, telugu and uh, the last one was bengali mm-hmm. so we have four languages right now where we have four different uh, you know styles of music and we we can do audio ads there Uh, and we're also doing you know bunch of brand placements you know that's like custom stuff we are doing that's more of a b2b effort at our end rather than uh, you know a straightforward solution for people but the idea being there are definitely a lot of avenues for you to monetize you just have to pick the right way where you are going to be sure that okay this is the core of our hypothesis uh, and this is why this is going to work right like mm. like for example you know some casual games in india are also doing phenomenally well in terms of download and engagement mm-hmm. but the uh, monetization levels at casuals is obviously much much lower okay right the genres we've seen monetize the highest uh, in the last 5 6 years uh, you know action uh, shooter games 
uh, and strategy games have dominated like the top 10 grossing right. for the last 6-7 years in India consistently along with a couple of casual games making it now and then there. So we were also plotting where the market is in terms of its maturity. Uh, so we realized when we were looking at China that initially there was a phase where casual and casino was all that was making money. Mm -hmm. Then they moved on to more shooter games and then all that's, you know, shooter or strategy sort of games. And now all that's making the highest amount of money in China is RPG. Or, or MOBA. Right. So what we realized is the market also takes time to, to mature. The average gamer also needs time to mature mm -hmm. uh, overall as a market. Right. Where they are initially maybe uh, spending more time on casual stuff that does not require so much commitment from them. Sure. Now we are at a stage where we specifically chose uh, a shooter because we it follows a simple what you see is what you get design principle mm -hmm. where you know it's a gun you pick up a gun you shoot a person okay. right it's a car you get inside a car you start driving a car okay. right like you i don't need to teach you that you don't already know in your real life sure uh, to be able to play the game like i'm going to cast a fireball that is going to be casted after 3 seconds of channel and going to damage this person for 5 seconds and he's then going to get you don't have to read two paragraphs Right. right to understand what are you going to do a, with a gun and a car right so the market is at a phase where we see there's a big uh, excitement around what you see what you get games mm -hmm. uh, and people are loving it and in a few years time it will mature and it will evolve because people will then get bored of shooters mm -hmm. and they'll be like give me something deeper Okay. And what, what is that deeper? Is it more the GTA type games or how do you, how else do you It will more be around RPG. RPG. Right. Okay. RPG are like the pinnacle of death. You can go into 4X strategy. There's so much more you can do where you're spending 10 hours a day maybe sure. playing a game. So RPG is what allows for that depth of experience to evolve from shooters to RPG. But I expect, uh, you know, RPG games still in India will not have that kind of reach in the, at least for the next three to four years. Yeah. No, it's interesting because when you look at different countries, different cultures, different kinds of games are the most popular, yeah. right? So currently probably, you know, China, MOBAs, in the West, the Western markets, US has been dominated by shooter games. Yeah. Japan is all RPG, right? So yeah, it's it's an interesting to try and understand how I, I I totally agree with your thesis that there's probably going to be a maturation of the audience yeah. looking for potentially different genres that become the dominant genre, but yeah, not not knowing India well enough, it, it'd be interesting to see. You know, is it more like the U.S. where it's just to shooters, or is it more like Japan where it's more RPG focused or th things like that? But I think India is so large, there'll be lots of space <laughs> for both of them. Sure. That's the fun part where, uh, you know, one of the primary markets we are going to be promoting in uh, a couple of months later, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, Uttar Pradesh, uh, the largest population state in India. Okay. So, UP is bigger than Russia in terms wow. of population. Nice. UP is bigger than Brazil <laughs> in terms of population. So, right. <laughs> that's a fantastic market for a software. Right, right. I mean, I think the great thing about what you're doing and being in the Indian market and focusing on the Indian market is there's just so many tailwinds behind the increase, the growth of the GDP yeah. in India, 
the rise of the middle class, more manufacturing being shifted to India. So there's all of these trends that you're going to be able to take advantage of. Yeah. But I thought maybe another question I could ask you as a you know games startup you know founder CEO in having experience working for a big established company like Zynga but with an orientation at Zynga around live ops for example so live, yeah. live operations maintaining a game versus building a new game can you talk about maybe some of the things that you know were there things that you brought from Zynga were there approaches or ways of thinking you had to change in order to focus on new game development. Uh, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Right. So Jingo was quite fun. It was almost like my university uh, where when I joined, there were barely a couple dozen companies in the country making something in the games industry. And most of them were doing services of some kind, Okay. not product development. So Jingo was almost like my university where the most important thing I learned there is Design does not exist in vacuum. It has to work with business to make things happen. Otherwise, sure. it's not design, it's art, right? Uh, and uh, that's the most important thing I brought in in Hypernova. Uh, but my core reason for, you know, sort of moving out of Zynga India, at least at that point, was that we were largely a live operations uh, unit here in India. Sure. Uh, as a... Yeah as we have quite a few international gaming companies doing the same thing here. Some of them have now recently started original IP development in India as well. But in 2015, there's barely any original IP work happening in Zynga, India. So I told my boss at that time, yeah, uh, you know, I am very tired of playing doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I would try my hand at uh, maybe playing a creator now and see how that works out. Uh, and uh, the place where we were at at that point where uh, at that point I was leading Farmville uh, as its lead designer so the other big thing I learned uh, at that point was don't put everything behind a paywall <laughs> <laughs> right like because Zynga at that in that phase of its uh, life as an organization was infamous for its quote unquote monetization tactics uh, and uh, we were fortunate enough to work with a team where we reversed like a five-year trend of downward decline on engagement revenue with almost like I think we were like a, what 600k 700k DA we had at that point uh, and uh, after almost five years of declining we, we made the made the game grow up and how did we do that by making sure people don't have to pay for everything and they can actually, you know, maybe unlock some stuff by progressing in the game and uh, being able to just do more actions in the game and being able to unlock more rewards rather than just saying, hey, this is there, you pay us dollars or you won't get access to this content. Right. So we saw much, much higher jump in engagement there. So, which is one big, you know, inner belief I anyways had that got confirmed for me where you have to put the player experience and the player fun first because what you are building is entertainment and entertainment is essentially escape, right? Like you're just trying to forget about the hard day you had today uh, or maybe you know someone's not well in your family or uh, you have some, you know, other issues. What, what are you doing? You're trying to escape from something. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
that was our thinking that hey i, I want to make something new uh, and try something build, building something new and that's why i sort of moved out of zinga at that point uh, and uh, i think we were just two dreamers trying to build something too big for our shoes so it, it seemed like a challenge that a 25 26 year old would do take up on that time not anymore i think i would probably be a lot wiser and have a few words to say to my younger self Right. Have you even thought about how much it is going to cost to build a mobile <laughs> on mobile? Have you really thought it through? <laughs> so that's what I would say. Right. Although sometimes it's better not to know because otherwise you would just not do it, right? Yeah, the Dunning-Kruger effect. But um, maybe the other question I can ask you is if you were to kind of um, generalize to India in the Indian game development scene for new games, not not live ops, but for for new game development is relatively young. and if you were to think about uh, maybe some of the the both positive and maybe areas of improvement for the indian game development ecosystem in order to become like you know at the level of being world class competing against all the the top game studios the the you know uh, activision blizzards the you know the timmy 10 cents of the world like what where do you think from your perspective where do you think india game developers need to improve and um what are they doing well so i think there are couple of things that are working very well for india mm -hmm. we have uh, extremely good talent pools in engineering art uh, as well as product but uh, the other central function for game development which is design uh, we are lacking quite behind on Uh, and uh, that's the number one challenge i think most companies who are trying to build something that is not just like a you know board game or like an app but something more large scale and immersive is is the number one challenge that they face that hey i have folks who can make great art i have folks who can write great code but what is the gameplay right right so that's where i think is the biggest bottleneck right now uh, in the indian talent pool and the other big sort of i think choke point right now for the indian industry to sort of break out is also availability of capital where uh, a lot of the new guys that are coming in the games industry's model itself has changed in the last couple of years post idfa mm -hmm. uh, so everybody is sort of reevaluating playbooks right now and seeing okay what's going to work what's not going to work uh, so capital is also very small amount of capital is being chased by a lot of startups so that's one uh, you know bottleneck for us but i think what you are doing is the thing we need the most right now in the ecosystem okay what well, what am i doing <laughs> you're bringing in talent uh, from outside okay. in india and uh, having these interactions with talent in india that helps expedite learning right because the ecosystem on its own is not is only going to grow at so much pace right uh, if you bring in people who've already been there done that and have solved you know problems i'm going to face for the next two years one hour of conversation is going to save me so much hassle you know sure. like so, so there's a lot of such kind of things that happen where uh you know and that is the reason uh, that 
games is also a knowledge driven economy right like the entire industry is knowledge driven economy where six people can do way more damage than 100 people if they know what they're doing rather than if they right. sort of know what they're doing right i think to your point there are sometimes critical pieces of information or knowledge that can be used to help drive a product to be successful yeah um and just just to elaborate on the point in terms of trying to bring more um specific experts to train india i i feel that that could be a great way of accelerating in the indian game development scene that's what we did when i worked at a company called phone plus we had what i call lead space models bringing people to beijing um, you know brendan the koreans brought brendan green over to make pubg uh, also there are rumors that um you know app love and matchington mansion they brought folks from GM City to train that China Chinese team on match 3 so i do think that's a model hopefully that can work and yeah hopefully we can we can see more of that here uh, but maybe another one last question about india would be what do you look forward to like when you, when you think about the indian game development market or the ecosystem uh, in terms of the future what, what are you looking forward to so the same way uh, like i mentioned that you cannot today imagine in india without its bollywood movies mm-hmm. i dream of an india where you cannot imagine its global identity without indian games right uh, and uh, th- that's the dream for us okay. right uh, so you want to be rrr for <laughs> games <laughs> inshallah maybe maybe okay. not uh, we we just try to put our head down and do our work and listen to what our players say uh, and that's a very simple rule we try and follow by so okay awesome well mayor uh, maybe the very last question is so for for folks in the audience who are interested in in finding out more information about mayanagri yeah um and maybe website or things like that or how can people get in touch with you how can people find out more about your game right so you can find out about our game on our website uh, hypernova interactive or just search for mayanagri Uh, on google you will find everything you okay. need uh, and if you want to get in touch with me i'm most active on linkedin and twitter uh, just search for my name uh, it's I'll, fairly unique I'll leave links yeah, yeah. it's fairly unique uh, you'll, you'll find it awesome yeah. all right well thank you very much for your time ayur and for our audience we'll catch you next time